0: This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church. Transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Today we're talking about how to simplify our lives. We've been talking about simplification this, this month. We talked about how we simplify our calendar by learning to say no, as well as saying yes. Saying no to secondary things so we can say yes to what's more primary in our life. We talked about uh, simplifying our finances by recognizing we need to live within our means or below our means, how that being content in life is important, and uh, learning how to save, learning how to give, uh, letting God direct our finances and uh, not focus on, on that as an end. Last week, we talked about relationships and the importance of how Boy, in life, isn't it critical that we have those three people or so in our life that's inner circle of folks and people we, we can rely on and do life with, The broader 12. And, and then this whole idea that, you know, all the things that we've got to juggle in life, the one thing we just can't afford to drop is our character. When we drop our character, our integrity, we, we, we really, are, uh, it's hard to get it back. And so today, as we talk about Simplify Your Life, we're talking about the number one relationship of all, our relationship with God. Now, I don't know about you, but the one person that complicates my life more than anything else or anyone else is me. The one person. I am complex. I'm complicated. I don't understand my emotions or my mood sometimes. When I respond or react to events or circumstances or people lots of times, I think, well, why did I say that or why am I thinking that? And so the most complicated person, (laughs) the person that complicates my life more than anybody else is me. The person that simplifies my life the most is God, because God gets me. God created me. God understands me. God knows me. And so when I am focused on God, when I find a connection with God, when I have the God life going, then I become less complicated. So if you agree with me on this, uh, say these words with me. If you don't agree with this, you don't have to say it, but uh, nothing complicates my life more than me. Nothing simplifies my life more than God. Uh, the me there is not Bob. It's, it's you, okay? just wanted to clarify that. But I, I'm complicated. And the hardest person... For me to lead is me. Now I, I lead lots of people, or I try to lead lots of people. I, I lead the staff. We we gather every Tuesday and we wrestle with decisions. And last Tuesday we were talking about a particular issue and we had all these conversations going on all at the same time. And I just finally threw up my hands and said, okay. One conversation at a time. It was like herding cats in there. And then once we got to the one conversation, we, we got it done. We got it figured out. But you know what? When I get quiet, I discover that there's a lot of conversations going inside of here, going on inside of me. And I'm like herding cats. Now, am I the only one who has this problem, or do you have that problem too? So, what do you do? I think one of the problems is so hard for us to find quiet, or why we always have to have outside noise in our culture. Maybe you're one of those persons that has to have noise all the time. I think we do that because we don't want to address the inner noise that's going on inside of here. We don't, we have. Difficulty having quiet time or chair time with God because of all the inner conversations. So, what do we do with that? See, the most important person that I got to lead is me, and I'm the hardest. So, what do I do? I have to take myself by the scruff of the neck, (laughs) and I have to lead myself to Jesus. I have to lead myself to God. Because Jesus is the only one that gets me. And Jesus is the only one that can simplify my life and keep me centered and focused. So I literally have to take myself to Jesus. How do I lead other people to Jesus if I don't lead myself to Jesus? Now one of the things I do in helping me to do that is I go off on retreats. And not everybody can do this. But if you can do this and you want to do this, look me up. I'll be gone uh, again in four weeks. But I check myself into a friary. And I this past week I had 36 hours of quiet, silent retreat. And this is what I discover when I do that. When I do that, I have to face all the inner conversations going on inside of me. And I discover all that's complicated. And I also, whatever I'm feeling, if I'm angry about something, if I'm fearful about something, all this stuff comes up. And I have to deal with it. But because I deal with it in the presence of God, I can get healthier. I can become more focused. I can become less complicated. Things get simplified. And I recognize that by doing that, I can become less self-conscious, less self-centered, Because I have a tendency either to berate myself or to inflate myself. And I can go from one to the other in in a matter of seconds where I don't have to think about myself at all. And I can become focused on God. And so when I just lay out my thoughts and my moods to God, guess what? God can then speak into my life. Because prayer for me is more listening than speaking. And I'm listening to God. And God begins to speak his thoughts into me. And God begins to to give me his perspective. And I get the mood and the sense of who God is and what God is about. And I become more centered and focused and integrated in my life. And Jesus is saying to us in this passage of Scripture we're going to look at, it really is that simple. Now, simple is not easy. It's not easy to get to simple. If it was simple and easy to get to simple, we, more people would do it. It's hard, but it's worth it. And Jesus, in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, that we call the Sermon on the Mount, is in the Gospel of Matthew. It's the first gospel in the New Testament. Jesus is teaching a, a crowd of people. And we're kind of jumping into the middle of the the message, in the middle of his sermon, if you will. And Jesus has been talking about a lot of different things. And he starts talking about the difference between the God life and the self life. The self life is about what's in it for me. Man, we are saturated with that, isn't it? Our culture is about what's in it for me. Jesus is contrasting that life to God. I'm in it for you. I want to live the God life. And friends, you and I, we, we just make that choice and that decision. We make it every day. Am I going to live for myself and focus on myself, or am I'm going to live with and for God and focus on God? We choose. So hear the words of Jesus as he speaks to us from the Gospel of Matthew. <clears throat> Looking at Eugene Peterson's The Message, Jesus says this If you decide for God living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether clothes in your closet are in fashion. There's far more to life than the food that you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes that you hang on your body. Look at the birds free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. Careless in the care of God. And you count for more to him than birds. So what's Jesus saying? First thing, the contrast between what's in it for me and God, I'm in it for you. When we're in it for ourselves, what do we do? We fuss, we're fussy. In this case, we fuss about clothes and food. We fuss about things that are insignificant. but We also fuss about pretty significant stuff. Do I have enough food? Do I have enough clothing? We're fussy. Another word for this is worry or anxious. So Jesus is saying we can be anxious and worried and fuss over a lot of things, or we can be careless in the care of God. Now, what does Jesus mean by that? Does careless mean being reckless, or does, does it mean uh, not being responsible? Not at all. But you're not full of anxiety. That's what the word means. Careless means not filled with worry and fret and anxiety. Because you're resting in the care of God. You believe in the care and the compassion of God, no matter what's happening in your life. And that's huge. I do not have any other prescription for worry than that. I do not know how to stop worrying other than to really connect with this God that is compassionate and caring and real in that present moment. We have an expression in the prayer ministry. We've been using this many times, many years here, that there's no emergencies in the kingdom of God. Now, what do we mean by that? that nothing that happens to us is catching God off guard. God is not rattled by this. God is not fretting over this. God is not wringing His hands about this. And so when stuff happens, and stuff happens every day, there's these little mini crises that happen every day in your life and my life. The immediate reaction that Susan is really good at, and she's been teaching me, God, okay, what are you up to? I'm not saying God did this, but I'm saying, what are you doing in this? How can I be a part of it? How do I react to this? How do I respond to this? I can respond in my frantic, nervous, selfish, self-centered, or I can live out of the resources of God. That's what, that's what Jesus is saying. Pope Francis, uh, a week ago, went to the Philippines There was a horrific typhoon that hit there that killed 7,300 people. And Pope Francis goes to the extremities. He goes to the people that have been affected the worst by the typhoon. And he's speaking to these people. Now, the church, the Catholic church, the Methodist church, and other churches, uh, Convoy of Hope, helped. But when you get past the emergency phase of a disaster... And then you've got to deal with the grief and the loss. That's where they are. And, the, and Pope Francis, he puts aside his homily, his homily, or his little message <laughs> that's been prepared, and he just speaks from his heart. And Pope Francis says this, I do not know what to say to you. He's looking into the people that are grief-stricken, I do not know what to say to you. There was a little girl that lost her parents, both his fa- her father and her mother. And she said, Pope Francis, Father, why does God allow such suffering? And his holiness says, I don't know. <laughs> he could have given all kinds of theological reasons, but he's giving a pastoral response. But he's saying to the people, I don't know what to say to you, but God does. God knows. Listen to him. What's the Pope saying? What am I saying today? People don't have the answers. I don't have the answers. But in the stuff that's going on in your life, God can speak into your life. God is fully present. There is this river that we can sing in, that we can dance in, that we can shout in, that we can cry in. And it is inside of us. And the ultimate thing that simplifies our life is to know that I am in relationship with God and God has not abandoned me in what's going on in my life right now. That's what it means to be careless in the care of God. Now let's read on. Jesus says more. He says, Has anyone by fussing in front of a mirror ever gotten taller so as much of an inch? At this time, all this time and money wasted on fashion... Do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, look out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. I love that. You know, the older I get, the more I appreciate the fact that appearance isn't all that important. We live in such a shallow, surfacy culture. You know, it's, it, it's amazing to me that I've got more moles than I used to have. That's more information than you wanted to know this morning. But if you're having a malignant tumor inside of you, Are you going to go to the surgeon and ask for plastic surgery? It's ridiculous. If cancer is eating away at our spirit, if we have a troubled heart, if we've lost our way in life, if we're full of hatred or fear or anger, if lust is taking care and over our life, if some kind of addiction is destroying my relationship or my marriage, What does it matter what we look like? Jesus is saying this. The outward appearance is not that important. But pay attention to what's going on inside of you. And if you want to look at real beauty, if you want to look at what really is beautiful, look at the flowers in the field that I made. Look at the birds of the air. They don't fret around. They don't fuss. They don't worry. But but look at the things that I created and enjoy the gifts. Be receptive to the natural beauty that's free every day. Don't get hung up on how you look. Not that important. Let's read on. So Jesus continues by saying, If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you? do as best for you, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting that you can't respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way that He works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how He works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. In the essence of of the Scripture, there's... Matthew 6:33. Let's look at the words again. First in the traditional language and then the words of Eugene Peterson. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So seek God first. Or as Eugene Peterson puts it in the message, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provision. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns be mad so what does it mean to put God first what does it mean to uh, let God have priority in your life you know when I was a kid in Sunday school I cut my teeth on Sunday school teachers drilling into me this idea that there's an order that we put things God is first family second church is third and work is fourth and I've heard a lot of good Christian people over the years say all that. This is the order, and this is your priorities, and that's how you seek God's kingdom. You put God first, and your family comes next, church, then work. But I never understood it. I don't get it. I mean, I get the part that, yeah, God's important and God's primary. I get that. But how does that work? It, really, that when... When work is important and I'm meeting my needs and my family and I've got demands in my work, does that mean that the church wants something I'm supposed to run to the church? Or does it mean that when I put God first and I prioritize my time with God, then I'm good with God, then I just go ahead and take care of my family? Is, is that, it compartmentalizes everything, doesn't it? <clears throat> so I want to say to you that I don't think that's, that's what Jesus is saying at all. I don't think so. In fact, I'll say something else that may sound pretty heretical. I don't think God wants to be first place in your life. You you heard it here. Just don't tweet it. God doesn't want to be first place in your life. I don't think it works that way. What do I mean by that? Well, I, I think it works more like this. And I invite you to get out your Pray, Study, Grow at the front. We're going to look at uh, the time chart that's provided there for you. Those slices are different slices in life. Think about your activities of your life. Think about all the things that you did this past week, okay? And try to compartmentalize those things as best you can in 10 different activities or 10 different headings. So you tell me. Just talk back to me. What are some of the things that you did this week that just took time? Work. That is a big one. i got a pen here somewhere It's going to help. My pen stopped writing, so that's bad. Work. Huge. What else? Sleep. You know, that's interesting. Sleep's pretty important. That should take up, uh, gosh, about a third of your time, ideally, right? What else? Kids. Taking kids around. A lot of transportation. What else? Sports. It's not a problem for me this time of year. But certain times of year. Sports. What else? Recreation. Recreation. What else? Church. 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 (laughs) What else? Spending time with your parents? Family. We'll just pray down family. What else? Hey, devotion, time with God. Now, we just kind of, uh, what else? Anything else? Eat. It takes a lot of time, doesn't it? Just to prepare meals and all that. Now, how does that work when you say God's first place in your life? Then your family, and then, is that what Jesus is saying? But what would our life look like If God wasn't first place, but that God was in all these places. That's in essence what Jesus is saying. That God wants to be in all the places of our life. In all the activities of our life. You think about your life and you think about what you're doing in your life. How am I inviting God into this activity? How am I inviting God into my workplace? How am I inviting God into my sleep? And in my waking hours, I try to sleep. Or how do I invite God into my family relationships? How do I invite God in when I'm driving the kids? How do I invite God into my sports? Or, you know, we didn't even put on here TV necessarily or the Internet. I mean, how do, how do I invite God with all that? God is in, in the, involved in the midst of all that. How does that happen? How does God change my life, alter my life, when I become aware that God is present in all those things, how does it redirect what I do? How does it change my decision-making? That's, in essence, what Jesus is saying. And you know, if you're like me, you're, you blow it. You, you, you make mistakes. And the more God-conscious you are, the more you're aware of how, of how you fail sometimes. And so the more I'm conscious of God's presence... I catch myself quicker. Why did I say that? What's making me angry? Is there some fear, or insecurity that's behind my anger? I stop and, and when I'm messing up, I just pray this prayer. God, Lord Jesus Christ, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, fill me with your love and power. Fill me with your love and presence. I'm able to laugh at myself. I'm able to recognize my failings. I'm not having to berate myself, nor am I inflating myself. I'm inviting God into the midst of all that. So this morning what I want you to do is invite you to think about your life. You know, oftentimes we, we ask each other the question, people we care about, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? But a better question would be to ask, How are you thinking? When you get up in the morning, how are you thinking? What are you thinking about? Are you thinking about yourself and your self life? Am I living out of my own energies and my own resources, or am I thinking about God? Am I bringing God into all this? Am I fussing about the things that don't really matter? Am I worried about the things that really do matter? Or am I resting in the care of God, in the compassion of God? So I want to invite you now to think about your life. I want to invite you to uh, look at uh, your time. Air sketch back on. I want you to think about uh, what's in front of you on your Pray Study Grow. And if you haven't done that already, think about the circle that's going on of all the activities you're going to be doing this week. And I want to invite you to invite God into that circle. Invite God into each one of those pieces of your life. And how inviting God into all that is going to change the way in which you live your life. Take some moments, a few moments, and do that right now.